God is good. And all the time. Welcome to another exciting rendition of Bible study. Tuesday afternoon here at the Church of the Warm Heart. My name is Michael Beneshek, and just uh, welcome all of you today. If you're joining us online, hi. We are blessed to have you with us, and we pray that you find a blessing in today's study. Well, let's pray. God above, what a beautiful day outside, and we just pray that that beauty just comes in here through the smiles and through the, through the warmth of the hearts of the folk who are gathered. Lord, we pray for those who are having difficult times and for their care providers. We pray for those who are lonely and feel a little lost. We pray for those who are, who are celebrating, who have good times ahead and good travels. We just pray traveling mercies for wherever they go. And as we read these words, may we see the love behind them, that as we read these passages, we find grace under, underneath them, that as we read these, these directives, that we see your plan through it all. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to do a first. This is a first now for, uh, for me doing this in a Bible study. We are not going to do one chapter of the Bible. We're going to try to knock out two in one session. Can I hear a gasp? <laughs> chapter 5 is so short. Uh, there is a lot, there is a lot of meat to those, but we're going to, we're going to try to uh, do 5 and 6 today. Um, I, I hope I hope you came uh, with with open hearts, open minds, because uh, the the passages and what's in the in these particular chapters uh, could be could be difficult to hear, and uh, could could involve subject matter that I would I would not let my seven year old be in this Bible study. If that makes sense. If I had a seven year old, all right. All right, chapter 5, uh, we're, we're starting to get into the whole reason that Paul is, is sharing this letter, because he hears things are a little goofy going on in the Corinth church, and this is where he addresses them. So let's, uh, let's do verses 1 through 5, that one big paragraph. 1 through 5, chapter 5. Dealing with a case of incest, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? For my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus, on the one who has been doing this. So, when you are assembled, I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present. Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Uh, the, the, the term sexual immorality that you find in this is... Uh, the, so, the New Testament was written in what language? Greek. And the word that we that 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 uh, is, is shared in this case is is pornea, pornea, p-o-r-n-e-i-a, pornea, uh, which of course is where we get the word porn. It, it broadly refers to all types of sexual activity outside of marriage. That is that is pornea, anything outside the marriage bed, 
anything. Uh, that's 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 what's going on here. Um, a couple hundred years before this, Porneo just referred to just those who go to prostitutes. Uh, and, and here in New, New Testament times, the Jewish community used the word to, to refer to any kind of extramarital sex. That's the sense that it's used in the New Testament. Matter of fact, not only just anything outside the marriage bed, that in, anything that is not uh, male genitalia to female genitalia. Any other combinations thereof are pornea, uh, not, not, not allowed uh, by, by the community. Um, remember what Corinth was. Corinth was a city based, based on sex. They had temples upon temples and temples. The big one was Aphrodite, the one that they had a thousand male and female prostitutes that people would go to, go to the temple and partake because that was a that was that was how you commune with God in in that particular day and age. So this Paul Paul is really trying to fight. Can, can you imagine if I try to go to Vegas and try to tell people how to live? How how's that going to go? Not so well. Corinth Corinth was way way off the scale just out there. So that's, that's, that's what Paul's trying to address here. Uh, pornea so often appears first in the New Testament as in when they list the sin list. Uh, it's not because that first, that first Christians had a, a lot of hang-ups about intimacy, but it's this, this is one of the most dramatic places where the ethics of the Greek culture and the ethics of uh, Judaism at that time, now Christian, uh, they're really going head-to-head. Where the idea, I know we don't have this today. Where the ideas of the church and the ideas of 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 culture clash, I know we don't have that today. Uh, okay, maybe we do. Uh, but it was it was it was just so far removed from each other. Um, sexual immorality, pornea, was just an accepted fact of life for the common person in Greek culture, uh, and it was not so much among the followers of Jesus. Uh, here we have the story of a man that took his father's wife, not his mom, okay? Not his mom, his, his stepmom, okay? So it's not biological, but it's still nutso-whatso, right? Yeah. Apparently someone was having an ongoing relationship uh, with his stepmother. Um, she, her name's not involved, uh, so she might not be a part of the community there. Uh, and it's enduring. The way the verb is, it's an enduring relationship. It wasn't a one-time thing. Uh, and even this, this made the Gentiles go, really? Uh, Paul understood that this kind of incestuous relationship was even considered taboo among the pagans of the culture. Uh, yet the Corinthian Christians seemed to have acceptance of this behavior. Uh, Jesus was asked about divorce once, and it was because they wanted to trap him because they wanted him to say something bad about divorce, because at that time, King Herod had divorced his wife, married his, his stepsister, killed his brother. I'm trying to remember the, how it goes. Killed his brother, married that person, married a niece, like had a whole bunch of different incestual relationships. That's what's, that's what's going on in these times. Nero, the emperor, had concubine after concubine after concubine, had a 12-year-old kid uh, eunuched. 
and then married that person as his wife. Like, it's just rampant. Uh, not so what so. Uh, and, and even in that culture, Paul says, even this, even this seems beyond the pale. Uh, there was an ancient Roman writer and statesman, Circio, who said this type of incest was an incredible crime and practically uh, unheard of. Uh, the Bible has a few things to say about uh, having relations with, with siblings, with family. Um, and, and, and Paul says, you're, you're, and, you're, and you're still proud. You're gloating. Uh, shouldn't you be mourning instead of celebrating this? Um, Paul was more concerned that the Corinthian Christians seemed to take the sin lightly and that they were unconcerned um, about, about the behavior. The Bible is kind of, uh, we, 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 do, we do have some rules about sexuality, don't we? And the world is changing. And there's always going to be that tension between what the Bible says and what, uh, what the culture says. And there are sometimes I line on, 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 on the side of the Bible, and there's times that I line like, where, 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 do, where do these rules change? Um, some of you might remember the, the loving versus loving court case. White person, black person. The Bible's, Bible's clear. Don't do it. Is that where we stand today? in our heart, or have some of these ideas shifted along the way. Now, there's some places that I just can't go. Um, but generations have, have... Did your generation have any differing ideas of, 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 of your parents' generation? I'm just curious. Yeah. 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 And my kids are going to have some way different ideas than I do, and I, it's going to freak me out. Uh, so this is, this is a problem of time memoriam. Uh, but here's Paul saying that this person uh, needs, to be, needs to be taken out of the fellowship. Um, Paul's solution to the problem, to take this uh, notoriously unrepentant man away from the protection of the fellowship of God's people. And yet the Corinthian Christians were not doing this. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the church word for kicking someone out? of the church? Excommunication. I have never seen excommunication done in the Methodist church. I've seen it done unofficially. Uh, my grandparents, when their 17-year-old daughter became pregnant, my mom, uh, both, both uh, sh uh, grandma was kicked out of the uh, Methodist women group. I can't remember the name of it back in the day. It was, it was before United Methodist Women, whatever the rendition was before that. And my dad was, and my dad, my grandfather was kicked off the church boards. Because, you know, you got, you, you got, a, you, you messed up. You got a, you got a 17-year-old daughter that's, that's pregnant. Um, I've seen church trials of clergy being kicked out, but I've never seen a church take a vote on a member. Maybe we should, we, we could be the first. Wouldn't that be great? We, we, could, we, could, we could find a volunteer. No, that's not who we are. Kick Nicole. You want to vote? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here's, but, but there are some churches that do excommunicate. 
Um, well, and if you're not following the rules, LDS, Amish, yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think, what would it what would it take for us to kick someone out? I think it would have to be so great that the law would probably take them out first. <laughs> yeah. Help them rather than kicking them out. Shouldn't we reach out to them and love them and? Changing I, hearts. <laughs> I think so, but that's also probably what the Corinthian church was doing. Like, you know, we, we still love this person regardless if he's sleeping with his stepmom. Yeah. Um, isn't there um, a procedure that's in the Bible that says what you were to do is to go individually, go to the person and talk to them, and if they don't change, then take somebody else with you, and if that doesn't work, then... The church goes to them, and if that doesn't work, then they're excommunicated, I guess. Yeah. Here, here we have membership lists, and we have people who could vote. Um, back then, it was just it, it was just a community. It, it wasn't like a formal structure and bylaws and, and constitutions. It was just how do we as a community protect those within us? I've been reading a lot about uh, lately about women of the Bible, and in the Old Testament, um, some of our most famous, well-known women were prostitutes, and God still used them uh, to make the line of Jesus. And in Jesus' time, he told um, sinners, your sins are forgiven. What I'm questioning here is for Paul, is this just Paul, right? Yes. Uh, when you are assembled and I am with you, uh, I will... I will hand this, man, hand this man over for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Oh, that's good. What I was objecting to is, for my part, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you, I have already passed judgment on the name of the Lord Jesus, the one who has been doing this. So when you're assembled and I'm with you, hand him over and we'll kill him. And that just doesn't seem right. Because judgment doesn't come until the judgment day, right, at the end. So that means people have time to change and be forgiven. Yeah. Uh, a couple, couple chapters back, uh, you might remember uh, Paul saying in this very book, uh, don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge, don't judge. And uh, in this right here, he says, uh, I have already judged. Um, I, I, what, he, what he means here is for, for judging is, so there's an umpire behind the plate, and he calls balls and strikes, right? Is, 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 the, ju is, is the ump giving his opinion on what the, what the thing was, or is he just saying what it was? Giving, giving a judgment. That was a ball. That was a strike. Uh, the, the judge that sits on the, uh, uh, the trial bench, they don't say guilty or innocent. They say, you know, this is, this is the, here's the law. This is what you did. And 
I judge that this was a violation of that. It's it's it, usually when we do judgment uh, in, in in a bad way, it's because we put our own sense of high-mindedness uh, against other people and we point fingers. Uh, Paul is just kind of blatantly saying, hey, "This is a ball. This is a strike." You know, this 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 is blatantly so far outside the realm of of, of Judy, Christian living, Jewish living, and even uh, Roman living, Greek living. Uh, so he's passing. That's that's what he means when he's passing judgment on this. Um, and <laughs> what was that part? I'm not. I, I am. I am not with you, or I'm. I'm with you in spirit. Uh, the the Corinthian Christians had this. had had the same idea that maybe some kids do when their parents are out of town. Oh, mom and dad aren't here, so the rules don't apply. <laughs> mom and dad would call and say the rules still apply. Pretend I'm still there. Uh, that's Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've learned myself, and it, this has been a hard learning uh, lesson, that there's a big difference between judging and discernment. Uh, a lot of times we get that confused, but uh, I think in here Paul is using more of a discernment uh, using wisdom and saying, you know, what is wise and what is right and what is wrong and, and, and whatnot. But judgment, to me, is that's up to the Lord. Uh, but I see myself personally, I see this as discernment. All right, let's do... Oh. Well, maybe we'll only get through chapter 5 today. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I was just uh, thinking that um, the issue here becomes one of focus. So if we turn our focus to d discerning or judging or uh, trying to decide who stays and who goes, um, then, uh, and we're putting energy into that, what are we not doing? Uh, I remember it's been a few months ago we had who um, was uh, uh, encouraging us to support orphanages and and uh, uh, overseas you know orphanages and and his point part of his point was the Methodist Church had been engaged in controversies of one kind or another, but the scripture was clear on two primary missions. One, take care of widows. Two, take care of orphans. That was our main mission. And if we spend our time trying to decide uh, who among us is unworthy, then what are we not doing? I, I remember my uh, Nazarene grandfather saying, uh, don't drink, don't smoke, don't associate with, with those that do. And then my Methodist grandfather said, uh, but what do you do? So, you know, what, it's, not a, it's not about what we don't do, it's what about we do in fact do in the name of Christ. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, that I, 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 I just, I just want to make a sermon that, uh, that, you know, this is what we do do, and just, just go with that. The main thing I think is what would Jesus do? We have our instructions. Yep. So here, so uh, let, 
with that, let me let me let me post this. Um, the world that Paul is speaking of was known in Jesus' time. Uh, Jesus, uh, in, in all his rules about relationships, uh, he was more concerned about those being taken advantage of, and he was more more concerned about let love be love. Um, Paul seems to be trying to give more definition on on the Christian life. Uh, the Gospels are fairly they're they're, they're simple to, to understand, but almost impossible to live by. Love your enemy as yourself. How do you know? Um, I get it, but that's it's hard. Uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Do we put more emphasis on on those four books than on the rest of the New Testament, or are they all to be followed 100% equally, if, if you know what I mean? Do we do we put more credence in the in the gospels or do we how much how much of the New Testament do we do we let dictate our lives? Paul says, you know, don't wear don't wear gold. I'm breaking that one right now. Uh, it, it, the next chapter, uh, chapter seven, that we'll get to next week or two weeks from now, depending on how this goes. It's good for a man not to marry. <laughs> First verse, chapter seven. If I want to follow the New Testament to the law, I have to take this gold off because I can't be married anymore. Do we, do we put more credence in the words of Jesus or in the words of Paul or both? Or how, how, do, how do you make those distinctions? I think you just said it because I, I was going to say I think we put more credence in the New Testament because the words of Jesus are in those four books. And then when you get to this, what I would consider, and most Christians, I think, consider the secondary books of the New Testament from his apostles, then you, we just don't put as much credence on that rather than what Jesus said. And, and going back to what you were saying about judging, I was taught when I was young, and I've said it before, you don't have to judge, but you can be fruit inspectors. You can judge them by their fruit they are known. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. So you can judge them by their fruit if you want them to be your friend or your acquaintance. And so that's what I was taught. And so then you don't, you're not really judging that person by their, from their works or from their actions. You, so that's kind of how I was taught, and you know, kind of not a lot of distinction, but there is. Pastor Mike, I think what you said earlier, just a little bit ago, was is really appropriate because there, back then in those times, um, a lot of the the people were under siege or under another government that took care of some of the laws to protect people. And the community also had to do some things to protect people from predators. Today, you know, we have civil judges. When there is a serious sin like what he's talking about, we'll put them into jail to keep them from preying on people, the society. 
back then, you know, that still had the same thing. And I think when you put it in the respect of the kind of government that they were in, the, the place that they were in, Paul is telling them and giving them advice on, you know, what they should do to keep predators out of their society, out of their church. And I think that, so when you look at the scriptures, you got to really understand the circumstances that were happening, who they were, who was living there, what was happening. Today, our ju civil judges judge all the time. They put people in prison to keep us safe. That hasn't changed today, or that didn't change back then, too. So you've got to have some protection to the people. Yep. We, we have laws to protect. Um, well, I could do anything I want. Like, no, you can't. They're, 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 uh, did you know you can get married at 16 in Idaho? Yep. I've never, I haven't had it yet. I'm waiting, I'm, uh, but uh, you have to get parent permission. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> blows my mind. I look, I look at my 14-year-old uh, girl and think, you know what? You could be married by now in some countries. Wow. Um, the civil, uh, you, you know how uh, there's pensions out there for, for soldiers? Uh, you serve in the military, there's a pension that comes with that. Uh, the, the, I think it was up to like 1989, the, uh, we were still paying a pension for someone from the Civil War. 1989. 130 years after the Civil War. A 90-year-old veteran married a 14-year-old girl uh, back in the you know 1910s, whatever it was, uh, and then he died, and then she, now she lived you know 90 years, and so uh, she was getting his pension from the Civil War. But yeah, it was just 90-year-old marries a 14-year-old. Blah. Like, I think it was more for the pension because there was a pension, and that was a way to anyway. Um, I notice in all the all the all this all these stories, rape is not in here, and all the sexual sins that they go through. Rape was not a thing because women were property and didn't have the same rights. It wasn't until recently, like like within my own kid's lifetime, that uh, spousal rape became a crime. Um, I know this, this is this is this is not a happy fun topic, is it? No. One of the things that I'm seeing from all of this and from this letter that he is writing is that he's trying to establish a church and a group, and that if you are part of the group and you are a follower of Jesus, then there are certain expectations and behavior that you should. Um, adhere to, and that will set you apart from the rest of the norm. And I think that's one of the points that he is trying to make, is that if this is what you're going to do, then this is your response and this is your responsibility. That the bigger picture is we're trying to establish a church and a new way of living and a new way of dealing with one another that's maybe healthier. There, there's a Christian community that all of a sudden, well, 
All right. Jesus' time. Jews. Gentiles. Christians. Uh, which, which side do the Christians go from? Both sides. So all of a sudden, you are starting to get this intermixture of Jewish folk and Gentile and folk all, all together, and they're trying to figure out what does a Christian community look like? And how do we live? And how do we love? Do you have to be circumcised or uncircumcised? And it blows the Jewish mind that says, no, you don't have to be circumcised. Um, and it blows the Gentiles' mind that uh, the Jewish idea of, you know, keep, keep the marriage bed uh, sacred, <laughs> purified, blows their mind. And they're trying to figure out what does a Christian community look like. Uh, and for us today, 2,000 years later, we're still having those issues. And I'll tell you a secret. 2,000 years from now, they'll still be trying to figure things out. Because the world changes, technology changes, but the, the underlying thought is, is how, how does love, grace, forgiveness, and mercy all kind of flow together into a community of faith? Um, I, had a, I had a couple in my office. Um, and uh, they, they asked, hey, can, can, can you marry us? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll marry you. If you can get a license, I'll marry you. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one of my rules. You have to have a marriage license. Because I got tired of couples saying we want to get married without a license. We 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 want her, we want our parents to think that we're married, but we really don't want to be married. Like well, I'm not playing that game. Um, but I had I had this couple in my office, and uh, things were going well. And they asked the question, "Well, Pastor Mike, what's your church's view on homosexuality?" Uh, all right, it's complicated because <laughs> we're not all over the same mind on this one. And matter of fact, there's, there, we're, we're at a point, we're at a juncture where there's a couple churches leaving. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's just messy and complicated, and that, that, that's that. And he goes, well, what, what, does, what does your ch specific church believe? Like, our, our church believes love, love others, value everyone. That was their tagline, L-O-V-E, love others, value everyone. Uh, my church don't care. They care that you care. We're not, we're not going to beat people over the head with it, and we're just, if it's love, it's love. Great. Well, what's your view on it? Like, I don't care. When people tell me, Pastor Mike, I'm gay, I say, great, I'm right-handed. And they're like, well, why should I care? Like, exactly. Just, you know, be, be, be love and kindness and, and all that. Um, that's 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 me. So uh, and I know that's not where everyone's at, and I'll I'll still love you, and hopefully you can still love me. But but I told him that, and they said we don't think we don't think we could let you do our wedding. Okay, it's all the same to me. But can I ask why? And they said, well, it's not exactly where our church stands on that issue. And a part of me says, well, if you don't like gay marriage, then don't get gay married. That's that's. And you're not, so you're fine. Um, and I said, "Well, why, why don't why don't you get married in your own church?" And they said, "Our church won't do our wedding because we live together, and we don't think it's right for them to pass judgment on us because of our personal choices." I'm like, "Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out! Time out!" Time out. Do you hear the words coming out of your mouth? <laughs> the very reason that you uh, life's complicated. Uh, Yep. Uh, for me, the 
The Bible, the Bible is a tool. And it tells me, and it points to, a God who loves and a God who cares. When people say, I follow the Bible, I'm like, great, I am so happy that you tithe. I'm like, what? It's, like, it's right there. I, I, well, I, 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 I try. Like, uh, well, I'm so happy. And you, and you, we, we, all, we all pick and choose uh, the directives that we find in here. Every time I lust, I don't, I don't throw out, I don't gouge out my eye. I know Jesus was speaking metaphor, but... Mm. Uh, and for me, the line is, I, I, follow, I follow the Christ that is in these pages. The love that is in these pages. The acceptance that's in these pages. That even though there are people that should go to jail and, and we got to protect the community and, and, uh, and all that, I, I want to be a place... And I want to have a spirit that's a lot like Christ. And there's things that my kids will do that I'll never understand, and yet I'm going to love them. And I know that future generations are going to go off certain ways. I, I can't understand why we still have alcohol. I'm 50 years old, never, never had a drop of, to drink in my life. Um, it's just never blessed my family. So when people say, you need to preach more about sin, like, all right, I'm going to preach about alcohol, and they're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> not that one. It's like, all right, let me talk about tobacco. Whoa, 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 not that one. Let me talk about not tithing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I'm, I'm, I am old school Methodist. Um, I follow the rules the best I can, knowing when I mess up, God's grace is there. Uh, but we all draw those lines. Like, Pastor Mike, have a, ha, what's wrong with wine? It's like, okay, well, you're making distinctions then. We're all, we all draw the line somewhere. Um, and our lines might be a little different, but hopefully we could still love each other. And on those lines, <clears throat> something Mary had brought up, what do we do? And somebody else made that same comment or similar comment. This thing gave out. I know that the Methodist Church, speaking in general, I don't know each individual church, but the Methodist Church in general has allowed alcoholics to have Alcoholics Anonymous meetings in their buildings uh, addressing the recovery and what do we do. There's, that's that love that you open your doors to people that have problems to recover from those problems and also NA meetings, Narcotics Anonymous meetings for people that have, uh, are on the pursuit of recovering from uh, addiction. And a lot of those people that do recover become loyal members of the church worshiping and praising the Lord and spreading the gospel. Uh, room two, three, room three, right there. We have, uh, we have, we have twelve-step groups that meet several times a week. Uh, we open up our doors, yep. and uh, too many places where they get where they get the finger and judgment. Uh, I, I got a buddy of mine who says, Pastor Mike, I'm an alcoholic, uh, and it, it's a disease, but it's the only disease that can you can get yelled at for having. <laughs> 
<laughs> because people yell at me, dang it, you're an alcoholic. It's a, it's a disease. Um, but hopefully we could be a church that opens up our doors in love and help, help us to help you find your best life with the grace of God. All right. Well, let's, let's get through a little bit more of chapter 5. Let's do six. At the end of the day, this is what I want. I want us to be a church of love. I want us to be a church of acceptance that even if we don't get the other person, you know what? God does. And God's going to be the one who, who, who knows the heart. Um, so that's, that's, that, that's my take. And it's, it's pretty simple. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, six through eight. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch, as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. All right. You keep, you keep a little bit of uh, old yeast. What happens? Put a little bit of yeast, just a little bit of yeast in the, in the bread. What happens to it? Spreads out. Uh, so you can see the metaphor of what he's trying to get at. If if you keep keep uh, keep this gentleman in your in your midst, uh, we have another phrase: one one bad apple spoils the whole whole batch. Um, that's that's the idea on this. But let me give you just a tiny bit of history on this as well. Uh, because he brings it up. For Christ, the Passover lamb has been sacrificed. For us, that's the holiday of Easter, right? So if you know your Passover, uh, a week before Passover, you get rid of all your unleavened, of, of, of all your yeast out the door. And you got to start a week later with the new batch. Long time ago, the problem was if you had the same, same yeast, Year, like year after year after year after year after year. Uh, I was at a place in uh, San Francisco that had sourdough bread, and they had the, the same yeast for the last 200 years. Ooh. And it was still good. Uh, but they also had pro processes in place to get rid of mold and mildew and all that. Uh, they didn't have that 2,000 years ago. Uh, so once a year, they had spring cleaning. Get rid of all the old yeast. I don't know where they got the new yeast from. Uh but every year, there was basically clean out your fridge, clean out your pantry, because <laughs> uh, if you got stuff in there, it's gonna it's gonna spoil the whole the whole kit and caboodle. Um, so that's uh, in, in, I love I love it in the Passover uh, ritual where they get rid of the old yeast to get ready ready for the new spring cleaning, as it were. Uh, they turn it into a ritual, a religious thing uh, that protected it protected the food for the next for the next year. Um, no, we're off like practically at time, so let's do verses 9 to the end just so we get through it. He identifies a letter that has been lost in time. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immortal, immoral, or the greedy and the swindlers or idlers. In that case you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing 
to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idler or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked from among you. In that culture of the day, in many cultures today, eating with someone is an expression of friendship and partnership. Some cultures, if someone eats at your table, you are bound to regard them as a friend or a partner. Uh, You are in cahoots with them. Uh, Paul warns the Corinthian Christians they cannot continue in Christian fellowship with, with, with a notorious sinner who calls themselves a Christian. Uh, I like what Paul says. I, 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 have, I have no business judging those outside the church. But those within my family, I, I remember I was, uh, me and this buddy, we were kind of fighting and roughhousing, and my dad came up, grabbed me by the shoulder, and said, come here. And I'm like, what about him? He goes, I have no control over him. I have control over you. <laughs> Paul kind of has this idea that he has, as an apostle over the Christian church, over the Corinthians at least, uh, I, my job is to protect you. And uh, sometimes protect you from yourself. That's, that's chapter 5. I know it's, uh, there's some touchy subjects in there. Um, uh, chapter 6 next week. We'll, we'll get to 6. But at the end of the day, I, I, I hope you really hear the message of love and kindness is, is the backbone of, of the Christian faith as, as shown through the life of Christ. Mm-hmm.